Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. He is my co-host, Vic Mattis. We are your morning show for any hour, and it's a good thing that no news broke after we taped this week earlier, as usual. You know what? I felt like we needed an update. I had to plug an update in into the show for that. That was necessary. <laughs> Hello, Mary Catherine. <laughs> We're going to get to that. But first of all, how's it going? I'm doing great. I'm feeling light on my feet. For some listeners, most listeners probably don't know because I didn't mention anything, but I was on a, a weird diet for the last uh-huh. week, and then I went on a liquid diet a couple of days ago, and then I went through a very routine procedure yesterday, and I just want to say thanks to the doctor and all the doctors and nurses, the lovely mm-hmm. nurses and, and staff where I was for a wonderful experience that I don't have to go through for another 10 years. Okay. But because I'm, <laughs> Is it every 10? Is that how it works? If you're healthy like okay. me, if you get it, you know, if you, so you're, if, if you're, you're real if you have a high out. fiber diet mm-hmm. like me, yeah, you don't need to. This is a real milestone. It is. Uh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not Katie Kirk, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing. You're not, you're yeah, not, I'm you're not, not gonna, I'm not going to go through the ins and outs. It's not live on the YouTube? Uh, no, no, okay. we're not going to share that with our listeners. But needless to say, it was a real uh, eye-opening experience. Okay. <laughs> Family show. Mary Catherine, how are you? I'm doing all right. Oh, we've had a big week at the house. My husband is out of town. Oh. So, you know, his his parents actually came to help out for a couple of days and hang with the babies, and they had a great time. Nice. It was good to spend time with them. And then they headed out of town, and I've got the all the kiddos. So last night, of course, there was some scheduling snafu, and I realized, oh, we have a late appointment for one kid, which means I have to take all four kids out to the late appointment. And by late, I mean 5.30. But that means that we get home at 7, which is past the baby's bedtime. There's everybody off. And I just said, you know what? Screw it. We're all going out. We're going to eat. We're going to eat what's ever in the cracks of your car seat in the car. (laughs) We're going to go to the park while one kid goes to the appointment and get everybody home by 7. And yes, were they freaking out when we got home at 7? Sure. But they went to sleep and they slept all night. Ah, uh, that's good. I was going to say, does it get pretty loud in the car when things like this happen? And... Ah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I've got two helpers in the back, you see? Because yeah. I have this gap yeah. between my kids so they can throw goldfish at the other children. Yes. And that's an important part of You've the You've reached a part when you have enough kids like this where you mm-hmm. can now delegate authority yes. to for certain things. Also, I am evolutionarily designed to give my children food in the back seat or spank them as necessary. I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, so... Your arms are yes. supposed to be the same as wide as you are tall. That's what they Mine say. are three and a half inches taller than I am. So either I was supposed to be five, nine and a half, or, and this is my theory, uh-huh. I am designed to reach back in the back seat, even in a very large car. Oh, I see. You have evolved. And give my children yeah. whatever it is they need. So that trait will be passed on to my kids. And, you know, we're improving. We're improving the, the species over here. When That's you walk down the street, do you like scrape your knuckles on the sidewalk? <laughs> That's what my brothers make really? like, oh, it's like <laughs> an orangutan feature. It is, okay? Maybe I was supposed to be 5'9". Maybe that's what happened. I stunted my growth. Anyway. It um, works out. But I want to do it. This is, a, this is a tip for husbands. Yeah. While he's out of town, what arrived at my house but a Macy's box? And I said, Steve, this Macy's box has your name on it. Do you want me to open it? Or no, it, I can't remember. Yeah, it had his name on it, I think. And so I asked, you know, what do we want me to do with it? And he said, oh, go ahead and open it. And for those on the YouTube, which is at Getting Hammered Podcast, and you should watch us, you can see what my husband sent me, which is a pair of ludicrous, shiny, disco ball Michael Kors slides 
I thought they were monogrammed. Well, you would think that because Michael Kors is spelled with an M and a K. Which means I buy myself a lot of clearance Michael Kors designer gear with my name on it because I'm a tacky person. <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> and so he sent me these and, you know, kind of made my week. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. Tired from all those you babies. You know, he makes, the, he makes the rest of us look so bad. He should give a course in buying gifts for wives because he's real good You at really it. hit the jackpot. Yeah, you know. Didn't you? Yeah, you know. Good job, Steve. All right. So that's what's going on with me. Much more functional at my house than in the actual house of representatives on the Hill. Shall oh. we Shall we talk about this, Vic? Yes. I kind of want to put a limit on us because I okay. feel like people are here not to be depressed about this. But we're going to depress you for a, another 20 minutes I, or so. It never fails that this happened. Where we taped the show, speculating correctly what was going yes. to happen, but I didn't realize how quick yep. things would unfold. Before we start, I just want to make a getting hammered promise to our listeners. Okay. And the prom I'm putting my I'm staking my reputation on this, which is when you listen to this show at this very moment, there will still not be a speaker of the house. Oh that's my promise. See, I think our analysis stood the other well, the day, analysis even though stood. we didn't know what was no, happening. No, that's absolutely right. So what happened? <laughs> so, okay. As we added to the show, shortly after we taped the show, they ousted the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. It was eight Republicans joining with all Democrats who were present. There were a couple who were not in the House that day to remove McCarthy from the speakership. It is the first time that that has happened in U.S. history. There have, I believe there has been one other vote to vacate, but the Speaker Yeah, I believe that was against Joe Cannon. If I remember, the yes, the, the name of the man uh, house whose house office building was recently disrupted by a fire alarm a in a story that feels like it was three weeks ago now. OK, yeah. <laughs> so, that guy's still there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, no worries about him. So that's how it went down. This mm. group of eight was led by Representative Matt Gates, joined by. Other notables, such as Nancy Mace of South Carolina, Bob uh, Good. Andy, Andy Biggs of Arizona, Bob Good mm -hmm. of Virginia, Tim Burchett of Tennessee. I named them all the other day, but those that's the, yeah. the core group. <sighs> right now, we have a situation where we basically we have no functioning house at the moment. No, everything comes to a stop. Yes, which is the only part of the government that Republicans did have control of. Okay, yeah. so we have no house now. We have no house for at least a week because they're not going to convene again to vote until next Wednesday. I think Wednesday, said, maybe. Yeah. at which point we may go through 15 votes. I don't know. There are several people's names that have been thrown in the yep. pot. Steve Scalise, mm -hmm. which would be a very orderly succession. That would be nice. I mean, aside from the removal of the Speaker of the House for the first time in history. But in this chaotic situation, Scalise would be second man down. Yes. That makes sense that he might be the one who would take this position. The other option is Jim Jordan who is a more, I would say, more conservative bona fides than, yeah. than Scalise, more of the side that would be able to convince the eight who voted uh, would, right. against McCarthy would maybe have more trust in a Jordan than a Scalise by a little bit. What's, where, where do you think we're going to be, Herr Vic? It's interesting because Scalise, of course, uh, he gave a great speech uh, on the House floor before... Before McCarthy was defenestrated. Yes. Uh, talking about the progress that was being made. Right. 
and it's slow and it, it comes and goes and fits and starts. But that's basically how government works. Right. And it's not boom, all your wishes are granted because, you know, you demand it. And that's that's just the way it is. He would be a great pick, I think. And even Matt Gates, one of the first names he mentioned was him and Tom Emmert. But he is McCarthy's guy. He's part of that state. A guy who was almost murdered, as you know, not far from where you were at the time That's in correct. that in that baseball that baseball field attack by a Bernie Sanders supporter. Yes. I like to point out that would be great. But I don't think I think whoever they end up choosing, I don't think it's going to be 15 rounds, mm-hmm. but whoever they end up choosing, even if it's Jim Jordan, they may be in the good graces of these eight Republicans now. Right. But what happens when they're not? And that's my question is the rule that they agreed to, which was anybody can bring up a vote to vacate the speakership. Mm -hmm. Does that apply to all future speakers? And if it applies to all, was it only conditional on Kevin McCarthy becoming the Speaker of the House? Because if not, they need to revoke that rule because- 96% of the Republican caucus wanted Kevin McCarthy. Yes. 4% were able to remove. Yeah. It's 200 and something. It's remarkable. Yeah, on the other side of the equation. Also, when you talk about sort of wooing these eight, Mace in particular was a McCarthy booster and ally during the speaker votes. I believe she voted for him on every single ballot. So, yes, I think you're right that the future speaker should not agree to that rule. Because look, even if the eight demand it or whatever group that ends up being, there are many, many people in your caucus who are suffering by virtue of this rule existing. And if this happens again, we'll suffer more. There are 18 Republicans, which is far more than our margin, 18 Republicans in the House who are from Biden districts, places where Biden won by a lot. Yeah. And they are holding on to those seats for dear life. (laughs) So you can't have them go through this kind of dysfunction several times and try to sell it to their voters in Biden districts. Okay, so that's number one. Then Then you lose your majority. Did I note already or did I just say it in my head that Nancy Pelosi didn't have to deal with this rule because she was smart enough not to have that rule? No, you didn't mention. Okay, (laughs) so (laughs) she she knew that could be a problem. Yes. It makes the situation ungovernable. Governable. Yes, <laughs> which I do think to some extent is what at least some of the eight are actually into. Right. Do you believe that McCarthy was duped in the sense that when they went for the 15 rounds to, for him to become speaker, mm-hmm. the condition was that Matt Gates wanted was that anybody can vote to vacate the speakership. And McCarthy says that he had turned to Pelosi yeah. talking about this condition and thinking that that's a bad idea. And Pelosi said, not to worry, I have your back. If they decide to bring up this rule, we'll still support you to be speaker because they're not going to get a speaker. It's not going to be Hakeem Jeffries, right. but that they said they would have his back. And then so when they brought it up to a vote, they did not. Do you do buy well, this? Do you buy if this that's story? what happened, I have trouble having sympathy for anyone who was believing Nancy Pelosi about this. Well, that's what I'm saying. He yeah. got duped. So, you know, I don't think there was much chance she was going to be super loyal. There was about as much chance as Pelosi was going to be loyal to McCarthy as there it's was that Trump. Gate. Oh, I was going to say Trump or Gates. That Trump would be loyal to yeah. McCarthy. Trump, who was on record mm-hmm. 
saying that he wanted him to be Speaker of the House and all of the rabble rousers and that sometimes rabble rousing crew, mm -hmm. among them Marjorie Taylor Greene, was on the phone with Trump handing it over to That's other right. members saying, look, he, he's, he's the guy, he's push. the guy. Trump Trump now said, I believe in at least one statement or truth socially. Like, uh, people are saying I endorsed him. I totally didn't. <laughs> Which, but here's, we're going to talk about everybody's motivations. Yeah. But as far as Trump goes, it, I find it quite revealing that he's so not a leader. He's just not a leader in the sense that when there's something on the line and he could make a call and should make a call as the ostensible head of this party, he doesn't want to do it. He uh, wasn't interested well, in getting involved in this. He did post on Truth Social the image of him in the speaker's chair holding the gavel <laughs> as a very subtle hint yeah. that he's ready to be the third most powerful person Look, in government. Speaking of motivations, if Democrats get that, they get what they deserve. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, but it's interesting with this double cross that storyline that, you know, he thought Pelosi that Kevin McCarthy thought that Pelosi would have his back. There's uh, another story connected to that, which is that they were going to support him until they came up with this 45-day stopgap spending patch, mm -hmm. and that they felt there were not enough concessions or any concessions for the Democrats, and therefore they turned on him. Well, and there's another part of this, Ooh. which is McCarthy's appearance on Sunday TV. Did Did, were you confident we wouldn't shut down? I was confident I could get something on the floor to make sure the option that we would not. But that you our sure military it was pass. Well, well, I wasn't sure it was going to pass. You want to know why? Because the Democrats tried to do everything they can not to let it pass. They did dilatory. Democrats were the ones who voted did you, for this did you in a did larger you watch number it? than Republicans to, to keep the continuing resolution alive. Did you watch 90, the floor yesterday? Oh, yes. Okay, 90 the, the, Republicans voted against it. Okay, so let's, wa let's walk through it. what actually happened. First of all, the Democrats stood up and did dilatory actions, asked to adjourn. So was that supporting mm -hmm. to adjourn? Then they used the magic minute. They went as far as pulling the fire alarm, not to try to get the bill to come up. Look, That's Democrats general, stick together, government. but they did not want the bill. They did not, they, they were willing to let government shut down for our military not to be paid. No, I wasn't. We are gonna mm -hmm. make sure we keep it open while we finish the job we're supposed to do. So in that clip, Oof. he's going pretty hard on Democrats who, Obama used to do this a lot, where he explicitly needs Republican support to do yeah. something, but then will happily go out and bash and stick Republicans it to, to their faces yeah. often in public. So I think that that is a strategic error mm -hmm. if you want Democrats to vote present at the very least. Right. So that, I think, is part of what made them more angry than mm -hmm. they might otherwise have been. But he's in a very tricky position because you can't be giving a ton of benefits to Democrats. No. Or this happens, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in fact, this was the, I mean, that's part of the Gates plan because yeah. they had turned down that conservative CR. Yeah. Forcing him to reach across and say, aha, he's reached over. Which, and then. Uh, now, this is a good segue to let's talk about Gates and Cruz oh, yeah. motivation. Sure. Is it principles or is it personal? <laughs> well, he he's very good on message, right? Because oh, he's a he's a very skilled speaker, yeah, by the way. So he all was, around, he was him. having so much fun on the floor. Yes, and on the steps of the Capitol. Yes, and he was, by the way, on the side with the Democratic Caucus, speaking from that side with a bunch of Democrats behind him, pointing at the other side, which yeah. is the the almost the entirety of the Republican Congress right. Caucus, calling them rhinos. I mean, we are through the looking glass. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's remarkable. It's surreal when you have you know him and Ilan Omar. 
Oh, you yeah. know, and and I remember Looking even her lips back there. listening, listening to the listening to the vote count, and hearing Adam Schiff vocally saying nay, you know, yeah. or yay rather to vacate the speakership. Right. I mean, it's like okay, this is the cost of your wanting to get rid of a guy who you really clearly hate. Is well, you are now allied with these people, including so, members of the squad. So just as a a brief experiment before the show, I ran through the eight members who wanted to vacate McCarthy. Yeah. Now, as you point out, there was a more conservative continuing resolution that attempted to cut, I think, believe the number was 30% spending was yeah. it across the board, which mm-hmm. is quite ambitious. Now, that would not have gotten through the Senate, Senate but it would yeah. have put the Senate and the Biden White House in a position where they have to make more concessions likely. Right. To get, because this is how it works, by the way. Right. Yeah. To make an agreement. The same crew that voted to vacate McCarthy orchestrated a situation by joining with some others, it was about 20 Republicans, to vote down the more conservative CR, which then caused McCarthy to join with Democrats to do a clean CR. Mm -hmm. Because once the government shuts down, by the way, all these eight are in fairly safe districts as well. There are other people who have different concerns because you are in a coalition. Right. So they orchestrate this and then point back at McCarthy and say, Haha. Right. Look, you didn't do the right thing. The same thing happened on regular order, which Andy Biggs of Arizona is at the mic talking about how he needs regular order. The 12 appropriations bills is required under the budget control and impounds law of 1974. We didn't do it. And you know how many times that's not been done? 25 years in a row. And you know how many CRs? This body has passed in that same period of time, 130. You know what that gets you? A two trillion plus uh, uh, structural deficit like we had in fiscal year 23. You know what that leads you to? A $33 trillion national debt, which is where we sit today. I agree with Andy Biggs about this, right? But one of the issues was (laughs) there were appropriations bills. They were going through committee. They were being dealt with. They were going through a process. McCarthy was having trouble marshalling, wait for it, the same group of people to vote for a rule to get those to the floor so he could do regular order. Again, if if you are part of the failure of the regular order to move forward, and then you point back at that failure as McCarthy's, that becomes a problem. Obviously, those bills are not as conservative as you want them to be. They're not as conservative as I want them to be. No, again, it, it sort of suggests that they're not that interested in governing as yes. opposed to uh, A, setting a message, B, it was definitely personal. Yes. Well, and, and yeah. real quick on the principles part, I say to Biggs and others who want regular order, how do we get it now? Yeah. <laughs> like, for, And that's the thing for me. If you ask me what I want the federal government to do, it's like almost nothing. Right. Right. But I don't live in that world. <laughs> okay. I can't, I can't right. create a situation where we can create that outcome. I'm happy for you to sell me on a way that we go outside the normal way of doing things right. to cut down on what they spend or to cut mm-hmm. down in serious ways on the number of duties that the federal government is trying to perform and perform badly. Open to that. But please give me a plan. Yeah. Give me your plan. There was no plan to move past here. And just out of curiosity, I searched all the eight members to see if they'd been talking recently about entitlement reform, because I know oh, right. how strongly that, they feel about. This. I know they're, they're not just concerned with the 30 mm-hmm. percent of the budget, which is discretionary spending that they're trying to cut here. Right. I know they care 
about the 70% that is driving yeah. our debts. And wouldn't you know it, last thing I could find from Matt Gates talking about it was 2018. Wow. <laughs> to her credit, Nancy Mace brought it up on sure. CNN earlier this year. And I looked through, I believe it was Andy Biggs's first couple of suggestions for this Congress, and it wasn't in there. Right. So there wasn't a, it wasn't it, easy to find their crusades right. for entitlement reform, which, granted, is a very politically tough thing to do and to own. But if you want to deal with spending, yeah, that's what you have to deal with. Right. Well, one of the other things is that they also no longer have to go through the normal channels of working your way up the ladder, the career, you know, the professional ladder, and gaining seniority over time because they have the internet. Right. I know. You can get all these small donors through social media now. There's no longer that fealty, right. which everybody went through over and over again. I wanted to ask you, you know, Newt Gingrich has taken a very tough stand on Matt Gates and the and the coup plotters, as he caught it. And he's one to know. Yeah, it is a, perhaps an ironic yeah. take no, I, um, from it, Gingrich, if you know yeah. how he became That's right. speaker. Look, here's the thing. As you note, keeping a caucus in line is, is much more challenging than it used to be. Uh, because those who want to do what Gates did have a, especially on the Republican side, they can have, do a, it have a perfect storm, which is the press likes no one better than a Republican attacking Republicans. Oh, they love that. Yeah. So you get all the earned media you want yeah, as long media. as you're doing that. Right. They, it, doesn't, they don't, it doesn't care that matter that they don't agree with or like Matt Gates, and in fact find him detestable in basically oh, other, sure. every other way, they're like, please come to the steps and we will put our cameras on you because you're doing the thing yeah, that we Yes, suddenly. Love. Do you remember yeah. the whole blow up and the ethics investigation and also about yes. him and, and, and younger women per se? I, I throw him per se, by right, the right. way, because we don't have to get into the details. <laughs> that, nobody's talking about that. Anymore. No, 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 no. That's, that's brushed aside, yeah, right. much like his hair, for yeah. this moment, which is going after fellow Republicans. So you've got that mm -hmm. plus the... Uh, plus the online fundraising and uh, social media yeah. profile that that raises, it's a great combination to just continue to fund yourself mm -hmm. based on something that, yes, might not have a plan, might be destructive to the entire operation of the entire party, but it doesn't end up mattering that much to you. Right. And to punish the people who are involved in it, as mm -hmm. you would under, say, a Tom DeLay, right. means that they just run back out to the cameras and they say, ha ha, the establishment's after me because I'm standing up for you, yeah. even though we can't really explain exactly how they're standing up for us. No. Do you think that Republican caucus will vote to expel Gates at some point, This, which is the Gingrich suggestion? I I doubt it. It would be so fitting in a very Robespierre way where, you know, the guy who leads the, the, right. the, the coup, the revolution, and all of a sudden... Next yeah. thing you know, he's there at the gallows. Well, yeah. and, and to to your point about the ethics investi investigation, we should note on a couple of these votes, it does seem that there were quite specific personal grievances. Oh, that uh, Gates Nancy has, Mace. Nancy Gates has Mace for a long time been upset that, that McCarthy has not dropped the in ethics investigation into him. Mace is mad at him, apparently because of some agreement they made on a women's issue yes. bill. I think I yeah. think it was contraception yeah. access yeah. related. And Burchette of Tennessee felt some slight from mm -hmm. McCarthy about some something about him praying about his decision and McCarthy said something that anyway it was a, it was a one remark yeah. issue again the idea of feeling betrayed because oh he told me one thing and did another and as if like Tom DeLay never did any of this stuff oh I know you know the hammer 
back yes. in the day, and and people feared him. And he stole well, my branding, but it's okay. He did. Um, he was the hammer before hammer. <laughs> yeah. So, and then there's the Democrats, right? Who I do. On the other we're hand. almost up to our our wall on this, okay. guys, because <laughs> I don't want to do it all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Solid block. I, look, s- disciplined. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think they were mad at McCarthy. I think that they perhaps don't see much difference as Democrats. This is often an issue with Democrats or left of center folks. They don't see much difference between a Jim Jordan and a McCarthy. They think they're they're oh, all yeah. equally evil, and and therefore, which is strange, but whatever. Pramila Jayapal was saying this as well, where she was saying these quote unquote moderate Democrats all vote for the same things right. anyway. They're right. all bad. So that's their way of seeing yeah. things. So to them, getting a different speaker doesn't make any difference but that speaker is perhaps more beholden to the gates mace you know faction which by the way i believe gates is sort of number one issue at this point is cutting the ukraine spending so that'll be interesting for democrats who are not interested in doing that and nothing with ukraine is happening right now yes which is what the democrats did not want but here we are so what happens with the new speaker that remains to be seen. But I will say, I do not think Democrats were obligated to help the other side. If the other side is shooting itself in the foot, you don't have to lay under that. You don't have to take the bullet. Like, (laughs) so, but the thing I will not countenance is the, is the, you're drawing a line somewhere. Yeah. No, is the squawking from the left about responsible governance when they affirmatively voted Mm -hmm to blow up the house for a week, right? right? Like you did have a part in this. Yeah, spare me. Now I understand people are saying it's not the Democrats' fault. I get it. You know, they were always going to vote for the, they were always going to vote this way, which makes it even crazier that the Republican caucus, the vast majority of which wanted to keep Kevin McCarthy, had no power because of this one rule, which again, that rule needs to be, it's like a sort of Damocles. I know. But then Democrats are going to come back around and be like, this is so irresponsible. There was already one on, on camera doing it. Like this vote was incredibly irresponsible and does not comport with the American people's concerns. And I was like, dude, you just voted the exact same just, way as Matt yeah. Gates. Did we just forget? Like maybe word that a little differently. So I know, and we are hitting the wall here. I do know people who are absolutely delighted that Kevin McCarthy is gone. They have hated him since the yes. Young Guns days, if right. you remember, with him and Paul Ryan and Eric Cantor. Hated them all, finally gone, get rid of that establishment. They're all out of here. Because, you know, they've been here for several years, establishment, uniparty, get rid of the uniparty, right? All I'm saying is if, I find, if I'm finding myself in agreement with Thomas Massey, mm-hmm. Mark Levin, mm-hmm. Judge Jeanine Pirro, yes. and my mother-in-law, yeah. maybe you should think yeah. about. And one last thing, and then we will wrap this up. And I think we held it to about 20 minutes. Pretty good. Everyone is hoping, oh, including I got probably, one more thing too. Okay, everyone is hoping, including probably even those eight, that McCarthy continues to fundraise. Oh yeah, because he's as, very good at it. As was speaker very good of the house, he's very good at it. He's good at pe- pe- picking people who will win. Perhaps not people who will have his back after he's helped them win. Diverse, <laughs> that's a, that's diverse separate, candidates. Separate issue. Winning, but he raises money yeah. like crazy. And if he is not at the head of that fundraising effort, if he, if the political uh, operation the wheels fall off of that it will have bad across the bad board results not that i'm sure that anyone cares about that who is in the faction that is pro the mm-hmm. eight pro the gates eight because i think the political operation falling apart and everyone losing might just be another way to blow it all up and give democrats complete yeah. control 
again, it was a narrow majority to begin with. Yeah. And 2024 is just around the corner. They still have control of the Senate. And Trump may be the candidate. So it's all being wrapped in a perfect little bow yeah. here. I did want to so mention. nobody wants that job. It's a th- oh, you mean a speaker? Yes, thankless job. It's the the under num- the current the conditions. The number of people who want it is getting job. smaller and smaller. Yeah. I used yeah. to joke that Paul Ryan was always like that guy in Clerks. Well, I'm not oh, even we... supposed to be here today. All oh, right. Yeah. No. <laughs> Every day at he work didn't was want like to. That. They no. they begged him to, and as soon as they do, all I hear now are people saying, "Man, that guy was the worst." I just I I, I won't get into details, but people are like, "He was terrible. He didn't want the job. The poor guy." You know, he was an econ- the... he's an economist by nature. At the time, by the way, yeah. you know who was arguing for him? Passionately, Matt Gates. There you go. Uh, I did want to mention the the whole payback thing between the, and the betrayal between Pelosi giving supposedly giving her word to uh, yes. McCarthy. So there was a little bit of a payback at the end here because under the Speaker Pro Tempore, Patrick McHenry, yeah. they have these little hideaway offices in the Capitol building so that the minority party does not have to walk the far distance from their other offices and they have a little space there. They just got kicked out of their offices. Steny Hoyer. And Nancy Pelosi just had to pack up and leave. Yeah. That's the little thing. Oh, and did you see... Am I mad at that? I'm not mad at that. Did you see Patrick... Everybody's going to be like, yes. oh, the comedy. Uh, what comedy? After, yeah. What yeah, comedy? Now, you know, right. <laughs> well, that's what she said. Pelosi was like, you know, when you know we offered the same courtesy for Denny Haster. Well, there's one for you. But uh, I did want to say, did you see at the end, after the vote to vacate the speakership, Patrick McHenry's slamming the gavel? Oh, yeah. He looked like Thor. Like well, I don't know if he looked like <laughs> the swing was Thor-like. Steve, who dressed up as Thor for Halloween last yeah, year, he's going okay, to say a that few, a few yeah. more Arnold presses, buddy. Yeah, then you can be Thor. Yeah. But it was authoritative. It was ooh, yeah. very funny. <laughs> All right, what are we moving on to? Twenty twenty polls. Ah, yes, twenty twenty. First, a little poll news. This is from Politico. Nikki Haley's momentum looks like it's for real. A new poll of likely Republican primary voters in New Hampshire shows it's the former South Carolina governor, not Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, running second in the first primary state. Uh, Haley beat DeSantis 19 percent to 10 percent in a Suffolk University poll released on Wednesday morning. So that is interesting. And before we move on to chat about that, I do want to talk about uh, the messaging coming from the Trump campaign right now. All right. Just read a little bit of this. This is a statement from October 2nd, so a couple days ago, from Trump campaign senior advisors Susie Wiles and Chris Lasavita. These guys are veterans, I believe, of, of the Bush years who are competent and who mm-hmm. many have said these guys are the reason he's going to have an operation like he hasn't had in the past. Right. So this is a, a message from them. The Republican National Committee should immediately cancel the upcoming debate in Miami and end all future debates in order to refocus its manpower and money on preventing Democrats' efforts to steal the 2024 election. Anything less, along with other reasons not to cancel, are an admission to the grassroots that their concerns about voter integrity are not taken seriously and national Republicans are more concerned about helping Joe Biden than ensuring a safe and secure election. If there is anything that convinces me that Trump might not be winning this nomination. It is the way that Trump and his campaign talk about this contest. Well, I, you remember how polls are terrible. Don't believe the polls. We say this all the time. We say this all the time. These polls, very inaccurate. Suddenly the polls are very inaccurate. Believe the polls. It's a done deal. Right. Just skip the primary, obviously skip the debates. Except the polls are, the polls are pretty clear that he's in a commanding lead. He and his team do not sound clear 
about no, I don't know that why they're that, in a commanding place. Yeah, because I mean, because if, if I were Trump or if I were on his, his advisors, I still don't see a reason to take part in any of these debates. I mean, the last one, as you remember, was a mess. Right. It was a debacle. And, and if he was there, it would have been crazier. And they can say all they want. He's still, until it's within, in my opinion, I don't know, 20 points, less than 20 points away from the nearest competitor. Yeah. I think he's going to no, continue I, to cruise. I think strategically you're correct. Yeah. My question is why why this desperate-sounding yeah, loser talk? Yeah, that I, uh, that I don't know. And I think the – well, I asked a couple people about this because I said, this doesn't sound like a winning campaign. This sounds like a campaign you hear yeah. at, the end of a, mm-hmm. at the end of a cycle where you realize, oh, this is actually over for them. And these are the, the – that's what this that, is their that's cover. What this, that's so when they lose, like. it's the when they lose where they're anticipating that that they'll be able to say, yeah. "We told you it was going to well, be it just stolen." Feels desperate. Yeah. So here's stolen thing. I think they're just running through money so fast that the messaging is going to continue to get more desperate. Trump himself has been truthing frequently over the past forty-eight hours mm-hmm. or so, posting. I think at one point, 12 to 15 anti-DeSantis stories in several, over the course of several hours. He's got the guy beat. Leave him alone. He's down on the ground. There's well, no need to kick him. Well, that's the question. Does he? Are you saying that there could be internals I worrying think, in Iowa, I New think, Hampshire? I think they're bleeding out money so much that they're no. starting to get more worried Trump, than, Trump the Trump, raised, than the, than the yeah. polls say they should be. Third quarter Trump number was $45 million, So it was yeah. considerable. DeSantis's numbers have gone down. It was went from like June and July, it was about 20 million to this last month or August, September, right. down to about 13.1. I don't have these numbers magically in my head. I just saw it on the news before we got right. here. It's impressive. <laughs> you uh, didn't you know, have to tell I, everybody I follow, that. I, I follow, you know, I follow all the, the campaign donations. So, I mean, but, but he has a real problem. But uh, remember, what, yeah. remember what Trump paid in legal fees sure. in the first half of the year before he was indicted on anything. 40 million. It's considerable. Before the indictments. Lawyers always win. Just remember that. If you're not sure <laughs> what you want to do jury. in life, become a lawyer. You're uh, always going to win. I've, and I still maintain that's part of the grand strategy of his of Trump's enemies, which is they're not going to win these things. I mean, even Ruth Marcus was talking about this, this fraud case in New York about his properties and how, you know, the punitive damages that Letitia James wants is to yeah. not only you know, to to strip him of all this money, but strip him of all these controls and holding, have leave him with nothing. Yeah, that's a bit much, even yes. for Ruth Marcus saying this is a little bit crazy. She's saying <laughs> this. They, okay, they do it gleefully. Yeah, like, no, oh, no, 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 we're no. definitely just yeah. prosecuting a Total political overreach. opponent we hate. That's right. that's what we're doing right now. Right. Um, I think that I think that the ultimate plan is just to drown him in legal fees and court dates. Can I do a reading of a of a truth? Oh we're yeah. At it? Go for it. I'm in a rat's nest of New York Democrat corruption, all caps. A reason so many companies are leaving New York, our racist attorney general, all caps, filled a lawsuit whose facts and valuations are wrong, like $18 million for Mar-a-Lago, when it is worth perhaps 100 times that amount, and numerous other properties. Likewise, that this case is a political sham, all caps, that should never have been brought. I don't even get a jury, all caps. We went over this the other day. He He doesn't get a jury because either on purpose or by accident, his lawyer did not check the box that gives you the jury. Therefore, a radical left judge who came up through Democrat club's system will decide it is not possible that he can be fair. Every decision he makes has been a horror show. It is why I do the set-asides with the media to explain the case and what is going on. Our corrupt, all caps, racist, all caps, and incompetent, all caps, AG, Letitia, Peekaboo James, 
considered, I don't know what that one is, considered the worst attorney general in the United States, all caps, refused to bring this case under the respected commercial division where judges understand valuations and real estate. This Trump-hating judge doesn't. The appellant division must intercede now. So there you go. That would be great if you had the audio, like if you could provide audio for all these truths. I bet, I bet AI could do that. Yeah, yeah, of course. <gasps> we should have AI. No, that's just, that would be unethically, uh, unethical, I think. Because people would think it was real. Yeah, that's right. They would. They <laughs> so would. never mind that. No. But he's going to end up falling into this trap again where, you know, some judge is going to give him, as already, supposedly, some gag order. And then what? Have him imprisoned? What does the Secret Service well, do at this point? You know, when they want to take it. I always think there's going to be some showdown between, like, local authorities and the yes. Secret Service. Regarding, well, here's, uh, and here's, the gag order president. is a perfect example of Trump giving them enough rope to hang him. Mm -hmm. Which is to say that I... I would have said, look, you guys are you guys are going after a man who is running for president, mm -hmm. who is the likely nominee right. for the opposing party, which you are taking on with no seeming concern at all. Yeah, right? there's no there's no ethical concerns on their part. He should at least be allowed to speak about it. Right. In order to defend himself. And then he goes out and the first thing he does is identify a court clerk by name right. and Instagram right. so that everyone can go harass this person. At which point the judge is like, my dude, you're gagged. Yeah. That's I mean, it. he'll violate it immediately. Regarding the other numbers for Nikki's climb, do you think that's all post-debate? Like people thought she did pretty well or just a consistent message? Or does it just mean it's bad news for Ron DeSantis? I, I think, I mean, credit has to go for her, to her for two good debates back to back yeah, and I solid, think he's consistent. had two solid debates back to back but she's been the one that's been the sort of breakout which is why I think he should continue to do one-on-ones like he did with Mar, even with hostile folks because he's good at doing it and it gives him uh, ample opportunity to get a message out if Look, I were on his campaign I would be worried though I think that it is uh, yes uh, time is a factor here if if I had my druthers though if it were those two and Trump fighting it out that would be great yeah. that's great for voters that's great for voters all over the country to hear more from each of them but that's i don't get well we have, so we have another debate coming up yes and uh, have they decided to make the group smaller yet do we know i have not heard yet uh vivek was on ramaswamy oh really and he said that this is just another attempt to drown him out and and take his voice away Naturally. because if there's one person who we don't hear enough from we were, he's so drowned out i know it's very so drowned. Really as drowned out as Matt Gates was this week. Okay. You, this is an important story. This today. is. And I'm I'm glad you're here to help us understand it. Because I feel like your your foreign policy creds are better than mine. This was a semaphore story originally. Yeah, yeah props to them. Inside Iran's influence operation, I'm just gonna go to them for the basics, which is that starting in twenty fourteen and leading up to the adoption of the nuclear deal with Iran. The Iranian government was cultivating an Iran Iran Experts Initiative, which was think tank folks, thought leaders, yeah. and others to sort of bolster mm -hmm. what they wanted to happen. And they did it with apparently quite a bit of success. So the IEI, which is the the project's name. Yes. Participants were prolific writers of op-eds and analyses and provided insights on television and Twitter. By the way, I should have said, these are all Western world yeah, academics here. and 
political leaders and sometimes appointments or appointees, regularly touting the need for a compromise with Tehran on the nuclear issue, a position in line with both the Obama and Rouhani administrations at the time. The emails describe the IEI being initiated following Rouhani's 2013 election when he was looking to find an accommodation with the West on the nuclear issue. According to the emails, Iran's foreign ministry, through its in-house think tank, reached out to 10 core members for the project through which it planned to liaise over the next 18 months to aggressively promote the merits of a nuclear deal between Tehran and Washington, which was finalized in July 2015. One, at least one of these people who was in this core group still serves in the Pentagon as the chief of staff for the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Special Operations, a position yep. that requires a U.S. government security clearance. And because of these emails, we now know that she has been actively involved in pushing the yeah. Iranian government's desires yep. here stateside for many years. Am I getting the basics right? That's it. That's literally what I was just about to read. But okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, apologies. I have to write this down. Our teleprompter is on the fritz right now. So I have to look down on my script, which <laughs> is what they, they, used, they used to do this in the olden days. They, they didn't yes. have it. They had, you know, little papers and scripts like this. First of all, again, props to Semaphore. But one of our writers at the Washington Free Beacon, Adam Credo, yes. has been following parts of the story for quite some time and for the last couple of years. Namely, one of the main parts he was following was this woman, Ariana Tabatabai, who we had pointed out during confirmation hearings and security clearance and everything else. Right. Uh, very sy sympathetic, because I'm not sure if she has to be confirmed, but very sympathetic to the Islamic Republic mm -hmm. and to other people. And now she is in the Pentagon, as you mentioned, she's in the Department of Defense. And so what you basically have is a DOD official uh, along with two others. And the others that were mentioned in Semaphore are Ali Vayez and Dina Isfandiari. They, they, were, they worked with the Iran envoy Robert Malley back in, back in the day at ICG, the International Crisis Group Think Tank. And this, and the, as you mentioned, they're part of this Iran Experts Initiative, which then answers to and works with Iran's foreign ministry. And so Basically, they would just inform the ministry of their, you know, what are they doing? Oh, here's what's coming up on the agenda. Right. Does that, I don't, does it make them spies or at the very least informants? Because I'm thinking if you work for the Department of Defense, it's probably not the smartest thing to give heads up yeah. to Javad yeah. Zarif and the, the foreign the, ministry. The leading state sponsor of yeah. terror in the world. Right. Which <sighs> clearly this administration doesn't have as strong a feeling about it as right. the previous administration because they want so badly for Iran to come to the table right. and they want to revive that nuclear deal that, that Trump deeps, deep six. Well, and their attempts to do so yeah. back in 2014-15, as we know from mainstream reporting also about yeah. the Obama White House just straight up lying to the press right. about what they were doing and when. Uh, uh, ben Rhodes the, talked about the ben, echo chamber. Yeah, ben Rhodes just saying that he created this echo chamber where he could just yeah. lie to the press and that, you know, it just so happened that the Iranis, the Obama administration and the press's desires were so conveniently aligned that they just created yeah. this whole yeah. story. And to my mind, the fact that they had to go to those links is exactly the reason right. that this should never be revived. Right. And I'm so glad that we're seeing this out in the open. Right. That. People were people who are in our government and have been in our government are actively working. You would think this would be a bigger story. Well, so two Semaphore, things. the free beacon, but it's not like I see this around the clock when I I mean no, I have CNN on my TV all day. It was a big story for like an hour on mm -hmm. Twitter. On Twitter, yeah. <laughs> right. But it can't surpass fire alarm pulling and uh, vacating the speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, is one of my 
critiques of the vacating the speaker. If you do that without a plan, you have now taken away our oversight abilities. You have taken away Mm -hmm. certainly the news cycle from anything that the press would be slightly less likely Mm -hmm. to cover something like this that reflects badly on the Bidens and the Obama administration. And this gives them, you know, this gives people who think they might be a target of an investigation. This buys them time. To do whatever it is they, feel way, can, like they need to can do. Can we talk about like what's the process for getting a security clearance? If oh you yes, can get one while well, you're actively working with the Iranian government. Again, it should not have come as a surprise. We brought this up in, in the free beacon, and Adam Credo did that. These are people who are sympathetic to the regime, and you and they want them in the administration, and they want their help. So not a surprise. Matt Miller, who is the State Department spokesman, right. did want to assure us this is not a real story. Mm-hmm. Security of clearance course. is very thorough. Okay. So you know that okay. Iran Experts Initiative is basically mm-hmm. like Iran's version of the uh, Washington Speakers Bureau. Oh, that's I what see. it is. It's yeah, very yeah, harmless. It's just coordinating. That's it's all. Very Again, harmless. Again, this from the same administration that did the hostage exchange and six billion dollars yeah, for Iran. Handed it out. I keep on saying Iran. I know it's Iran. I, okay. I do both. I go back I, and forth like a rube. <laughs> it's fine, but you do sound like you know more if you say Iran. Iran. Yeah. Iran. yeah. Oh, you know what else? Pakistan. Yeah, Pakistan. Uh, that one's pushing it for me. Ha- uh, yeah. <laughs> Obama was very good about Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan. We know things. That's the point. Okay. All right. There's, sh- there's some good news, though, at California. Healthcare law. Did you <laughs> yes, forget that? I okay. ha- no, no, no. I have that, and then we have a, the this another silly story. Oh, yes. This one is a serious this is, uh, this is We're going to do serious yeah, yeah, before yeah, yeah. silly. Yeah, That's okay. what we're going to mm-hmm. do. Just an update. I wrote a piece for OutKick that I believe is also at foxnews.com about free speech winning a an important but quiet victory in California this month. In the last couple of weeks, you guys remember the medical disinformation law? It's a great law. Which said that doctors in California would be subject to professional punishment by their, the the sanctioning boards in that state if they distributed any mis or disinformation relating to Mm COVID-19 vaccines and treatments. Doctors who are have any sense left in their heads immediately were like, that is so vague. There's no way we can have conversations with our yeah. patients if that is the standard. Gavin Newsom, however, signed the law and said this is very narrowly tailored, even though the text declares that misinformation just means information that is contradicted by contemporary scientific consensus contrary to the standard of care. So, you know. Just like that's uh, wonderful because it was so helpful during COVID that that no yeah. one could go outside of the current yeah. consensus, which was basically just government aligned yeah. views. Mm-hmm. So five doctors who were noted critics of public health during the COVID era sued. Yeah, they took action. And California saw the writing on the wall and included in a bill that just recently passed a repeal of that language. So that law is no more. Because it would have won in court anyway. Yeah. So just gratifying to see that. I wrote a piece about how the freedom of speech is winning in courts, but not so much in the streets. Because as we mentioned, the I think we mentioned this last week, the real clear politics numbers were 75% of Democrats believe that the government has a responsibility to regulate hate speech. Yes. That's, that's, that's going to go great for us. I would say in Gavin Newsom's defense, they were just trying their best to save lives. Mm-hmm. Nobody's mm-hmm. perfect. Right. Mistakes were made. Right. <laughs> Just repeat that mantra. Look, it's over. very rare. With that, good hair. If you can say that with good hair. Look, I'll say it's very rare you actually get 
a law completely yeah. wiped out. I think it was very clear that this one was clumsy and was going to lose. Stretch. I spoke to the litigator who works with the, the group representing these doctors, and she said that she felt the state anticipated further humiliation in court and decided well, again, not to subject themselves to that. I, I, oftentimes the plan is just to throw it all on the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. My big question about this law, of course, was how were they planning on enforcing it? No, that's the question, right? Could a patient report a doctor? Yeah. Or would it be like a, another, uh, a, a nurse, doctor, or another staffer overhear a conversation right. and then report on people? Well, and the judge who enjoined this originally in January, right after it was supposed to go into effect, said essentially that, that COVID-19 is something that the consensus is evolving, and this is too vague for anyone to know what's permissible and what's not. Right, because you're not talking about man on the street. They're talking about going after doctors. So you yes. assume doctors mean that they went to medical school, they have mm -hmm. degrees, they have experience, and they have opinions. But because their opinions don't align with your doctor's opinions, then you get to or muzzle the government's doctors. The government's opinions. doctors. That's, that's right. By actual... you, not you, Mary Catherine. No, like, you as in But that's, the that's who you're required yeah. to be aligned with, is government-approved right. opinions. Yeah. Right. And so you can be a doctor and you can be trained. But if you're not aligned. And by the way, how well did that work out for us for yeah. a couple of years? It'll take your Ooh, license away. Speaking of evolving or not evolving yeah. in the case of the CDC. Mandy Cohen, who's the new head of the CDC, was talking about the, the opening of a respiratory virus season here. And let's check in to see if they've learned anything, shall we? This is what she has to say. Too often we at the CDC are sacrificing understanding for precision. So we really need to continue to strive to simplify our guidance. And that is the work we need to do both at the CDC, but we need your help in that to, in that to provide clear actions that people can take. So the top line message you're gonna hear over and over today and beyond is this, the most effective way to protect yourself from the worst outcomes of this season's viruses is to get your fall vaccines. So the current head of the CDC believes that they were too nuanced yeah. in their messaging throughout the pandemic they couldn't even say older people are more in more danger than children and outside is safer than inside they couldn't even say that it's like when uh, obama would be asked back in the day you know do you can you admit to any mistakes any failures mm -hmm. and he said yeah i admit to basically the failure of not being able to explain my agenda mm -hmm. in simpler plainer terms to all the idiots, you know what I mean, and <laughs> I, and and, and, and this is to all of thing. you being idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, that's the fault of mine. Forgot that you're all children, and that's their takeaway message. Obviously, yeah. so just you know, take the vax that was tested on how many? There was two. There's Pfizer well, and, and Moderna. Also, and also, one of them has one of them was tested. What was it? Fifty people. 50 one people of which got got sick. got sick and needed medical attention, and then the other one was ten mice. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's great. Again. The problem is not that you guys yeah. are too nuanced. I guarantee you that's not the problem. One last silly story before before sure. fun. Did you see this one where a women's conference? Yes, career day. Women's tech conference yeah. was invaded by men, they say. Let's get into this. It was meant to be a week for women in tech, but this year's Grace Hopper celebration was swamped by men who gatecrashed the event in search of lucrative tech jobs. 
the annual conference and career fair aimed at women and non-binary tech workers, which takes its name from a pioneering computer scientist, took place last week in Orlando, Florida. The event bills itself as the largest gathering of women in tech worldwide and has sought to unite women in the tech industry for nearly 30 years. Sponsors include Apple, Amazon, and Bloomberg, major networking opportunity, blah, 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 blah. This year, droves of men showed up. This is Wired reporting with resumes in hand. Here's the thing. They signed up as non-binary. Yeah. This article is misgendering them. It is, and it's uh, offensive. It is offensive. This is, I love that, like, the left finally sort of understands at a tech conference <laughs> the results okay. of a subjective self-identifying standard. Right. If the standard is subjective self-identification, right. which I am told that it is, yeah. and if that self-identification can change according to TikTok influencers by the hour or day. Yeah. Who is to say that these men, men, you say, were not non-binary while they were attending this conference? Right. There's no other way to disprove that other Ooh. than saying, I don't believe you in your heart or in your mind. You actually don't think that. Because, as you mentioned, I was reminded of a student during the big debate in Virginia about whether or not non-binary kids can go to one bathroom or the other right. bathroom. And the student that they interviewed uh, was saying that, yes, he identifies as a she today, but tomorrow he might not. Right. It could be something else. And so it really depends on the day or, as you mentioned, on the hour. This is the predicament that they have put themselves mm -hmm. into, and now they know what it feels. And I remember Abigail Schreier mentioning this in the talk once about friends of hers who were lesbians who no longer had their safe space in lesbian bars because they were men right. who identified as women. And that wasn't enough for them to feel, be convinced that there really is just a bar for us. Who is us? That's the question, because well, there's only one way to make this difference, and that is uh, to make the distinction, and that's biologically. Well, and this is what we who disagree with trans activists mm -hmm. and the left on this have been arguing is that whether it's dressing rooms or bathrooms or sports teams mm -hmm. or tech conferences, if there is not some objective standard, then perhaps there might be bad actors who yeah. would take advantage of this to put themselves in women's spaces mm -hmm. that are intended strictly for women, in this yeah. case, non-binary as well. And the left will tell you, no, 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 no. No one would do that. That's not a thing that happens, despite the fact that we have seen it happen. Yes. That's not a thing that happens. You don't need to worry about it. Shut your mouths about this. And then as soon as it comes to a tech conference and they show up with mere resumes, oh. that's the problem. Right. Not, it's a riot. Not showing up at the sauna mm -hmm. fully undressed. Yeah. Like no that's one, right. No one would be yeah, motivated. Yeah, in the girls' locker room. No one would be motivated to take advantage of a an open gender policy in a locker room only at a tech conference right. to get a job. Clearly sure, unfair. Guys. Sure, guys. Clearly unfair. I, I wondered if the recruiters, they clearly weren't turning people down. I mean, because the complaint was that they couldn't get, you know, a chance to talk with some of these people because there were so many other biological males yeah. who were there. Yeah. And again, how do you stop somebody in saying you're not allowed to be here? If the person says to you today, oh, you know, you can go and check my social media. Yeah, I have a girlfriend, but I don't feel like one today. I mean, yeah. that's the standard, right? It, so, if you're living by yeah. the rules that you have set. That's uh, by right. the way, Then you're, you're also not being a true non-ally. Non An ally. Yeah. Cullen White, who is the chief impact officer yeah. of one of the organizations that helps put this on, had this to say about the whole situation. This is supposed to be a joyous event that centers around you. 
Yesterday it became clear that there are a far greater number of cisgender men attending the meeting to stay. Simply put, some of you lied about your gender identity when you registered. And as evidence by the stacks and stacks of resumes you were passing out, you did so because you thought that you could come here and take space to try to get a job. I don't want to assume too much, but it, he's a white man, correct? Yeah. Right. So, like, does maybe he should give up some space himself? Himself, exactly. To make this space well, again, this is a the little bit more. What this we is the predicament, and they have to, you know, in the spirit of non-binary allyship, and I think that's the word that they used in the Wired pieces, allyship. They gotta, they gotta just accept it. That would seem to be the rule because otherwise, what are you doing? You're testing hormones? Like, what are we, what are we doing? Because right. then you you run into the same problem. Thing. It's all, well, as you know. Right, okay. exactly. It can't be biological. Yeah, because then must it would be subjective. If it was biological, then they would be agreeing with us crazy people. No. Okay. So much for the Grace Hopper event. All right, one last story. Really quick story. Really quick story here. The Berlin Marathon happened. Mm-hmm. And the winner was an Ethiopian woman named Tixtasifa. A very impressive time, by the way. Two hours, 11 minutes, oh 54 seconds. I think that's the, that would be the time of my 10K. Wait, what is two hours what? 2.11. Two, 2.11.54. Okay. I can I can just get in half a marathon that's under a half. that. That's a half. Under okay. that. Yeah. yeah. She was wearing, very interestingly enough, an Adidas new shoe called the Adi Zero Adios Evo 1. $500, okay. but here's the catch, one time only. They're only Adidas says ones. it can okay. only be worn one time, to which I say, what does that mean? Is that like Cinderella and the pumpkin? Is it like the, the yeah, car? Yeah, fall apart? Is it, is it car, like the car and Blues Brothers at the end where, you know, as soon as they get to the, you know, the, the Daily Plaza, then, then the thing completely <laughs> falls, falls apart. Yeah, yeah. No, this is made up. It can't, it can't no, be just No, they once. said they recommend, I mean, you could, yeah. but it would not be peak performance. And I guess what they're saying is after oh, 26 miles- it starts to fall apart. It's all, here's the key. It's all foam. It has to do with the foam. Okay. And there were all sorts of rules prior to this particular marathon that prevented certain shoes from being worn. They're ridiculously light. Okay. And, but unless they're like, you know, I'm picturing like the, the George Costanza special sneakers from Seinfeld. I mean, right. is it giving you an extra spring yeah, in your no, step? This, you this know? is going to be, if they continue she down flew. this road. She flew. If they continue down this road, they're going to be in a restrictor plate situation like NASCAR, right? They're going to be checking all the... Right. The right. shoes to make would sure. Would you would you wear something like this? Because I know how you feel. you're you, you're a big believer in, well, in winning okay. races. Okay, I'm not. I don't think I'm paying five hundred dollars for tennis shoes. I'd so, pay five hundred dollars for something hotter than that. But if Adidas were to give you one for your next, oh, yeah, for Travis sure. Manning, sure, not a problem. Next yeah, if you hit me up, guys. If you need a right of center influencer for your tennis shoes, people love those. <laughs> I would wear them. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> I could wear them more than once because I ain't running twenty six miles the first time yeah. out. Yeah. I can do that. I can run probably five times. I mean, is it actually this harkens back to the original marathon because the original runner of uh-huh. the marathon went 26 miles and died. And died. Much like the shoes. Right. Well, there you go. So I just <laughs> wanted to share that. I am intrigued. And if you do want to send us Adidas, if you do want to send, because I'm sure they listen to this podcast or some of the workers do, please send us a shoe. We'll give it a run. We'll give it a run. What's your size? What's your shoe size? I'm an eight, eight and a half. They're also, uh, they're kind of odd looking. Yeah. They're well, def- again, they're definitely foamy. It's looking. very foamy. So it's not really much style as it is for winning. But if you were going to buy something for $500 and I imagine a sponsor for somebody running a marathon would probably is yeah. why they would do this. You better win. 
You better win because it's 500 and they also, say it's only once. Also, I'm just going to say it. Ugly shoes are in. Oh, okay. That's a thing. All right. Like people are, I'm not wearing yeah. them. You're not wearing them. But it, like how much of, of it sort though? Sort of is... cumbersome, like odd looking. Yes, odd looking because shoes it's, are in. it's strictly uh, utility. Yeah. But I, you know, how much of it is the actual technology? How much of it is personal training? And how much of it is in your wallet? I mean, I think I could beat her time if you gave me those shoes. <laughs> There you go. Okay. I have really quickly some listener response. I have some response oh, to I listeners. To okay. First one. This is a little overdue. Greg Zawicki asks, uh, how I did with my peppers this season in the garden? Oh. Uh, the answer was two. Two peppers. <laughs> the animals, and I don't know what animals they are, they eat them. But Ooh. they were fantastic green peppers. I, 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 The last one I did, I just put it in my burger for a little jalapeno heat action. It was there delightful. Okay. Friend of the show, Aaron Cromar, made a very interesting observation about my train story, the Amtrak story, with the okay. crazy... The woman who was suffering from racist Tourette's. Yes, yes. He said it was clearly told by somebody of the pre-internet generation because I did not have my phone out. (laughs) And that's just something that I don't wouldn't come up with. In my mind, I'm not like going to I just wouldn't tape it. So that's true that I had to rely on my storytelling skills. Hey, which you know what? That's what we're here for. That's what we you know. And normally I tell these stories on a rocking chair with my pipe, you know, (laughs) and so that didn't happen. Okay, are we done? I think that's it. Good. That wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube. Last week, producer Jennifer told me, as well as listener Stephen Bainfelt, that Stitcher is no longer a thing. Oh, okay. So you can't find us on Stitcher, but you can still find us on QuickTime and Real Audio Player. Yeah. And you can email me at victorinamattis at mindspring.com. <laughs> the Speaker of the House is also no longer a thing yeah. until next week when I'm sure they'll vote for one right after we finish taping. So we'll see you for that Wednesday show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for getting hammered responsibly. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on the Instagram. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. Oh, and please follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Getting Hammered Podcast. Bye. Bye. <laughs>